Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Dog Check Podcast, exclusively on the Believe Podcast Network, partnered with Bet Online. Um, as you guys know, we've been, you know, we've had multiple shows now, and the Browns, you know, sit at three and two. But as you guys know, again, Believe Podcast is presented by Bet Online. Um, back better than ever. All eyes are on the grid as Iron Teams are back for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action all year long. Um, updated new site, new interface, more odds, props, contests, you name it. They have absolutely everything. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football, all bets, and everything football. Again, from college to NFL, you name it. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And again, don't forget to use promo code BLEAV, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. Um, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet for all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Again, welcome to another episode of the Dog Check Podcast. As always, I'm with the great Eric Metcalf. Eric, what's going on, man? Nothing. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Uh, it's been a brutal Monday and Tuesday after that game. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not. Once again, I'm not here to be your therapist. So, so, so uh, we, we we're not going to allow you to sit on a couch and 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 and, and vent all your problems. Right? <laughs> Before we get into diving into the game, I mean, obviously that has something to do with the game, but. I think, you know, this is a statement that a lot of people have been saying. And when it comes to the NFL, I mean, NFL refs are human. We understand that humans make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Um, But not only when it pertains to the Cleveland Browns, it seems like calls throughout the league in big-time games, in big-time spots, continue to be missed. And that call, late in the game, Pass interference is just absolutely unacceptable. I mean, you see all the analysts, literally everyone across the media was watching that game because it was such a good game. And you get a, you know, you get a late fourth down play. You have Herbert throwing it up deep where their receiver is actually tugging on our defender's shoulder pad, shoulder jersey, and they call defensive pass interference, leads to a touchdown, and the Browns eventually lose the game. However... As I sit here today, you know, I've talked to, you know, a lot of different people. I know some of you that listen to our show to where while it is just one play, I think obviously the Browns didn't lose the game because of one such bad call. I think it's a 60 minute game. I think a lot goes into it more than just one play. But again, the Chargers don't get that call. They don't get that first down. The game is completely different. The Browns go down the field to score, get up even more points. Again, I just think, you know, I saw Joe Thomas tweet something about needing a sky cam and how you should be able to replay every single play, every single penalty, penalty, excuse me, no matter what penalty it is, no matter what point in the game it comes. And I absolutely agree. And I feel like the Browns have gotten, you know, cheated out of a lot of calls over the past years. I think Cleveland is just super unlucky when it comes to that. I mean, I think, Eric, I'll get your thoughts in a minute, but I think Miles Garrett was getting held probably 15, 20 more times in the game, and they only called it one time. I mean, he was getting mauled at some of those plays. But again, you know, to the NFL – I just think it's completely unacceptable to miss calls like that. It is really. And, 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 you know, for me in looking at that call, that, that pass interference that, like you said, it didn't, it wasn't, didn't determine the outcome of the game, but it was a big play that, that changed the momentum of how things were going at that time. You know, 
that's why I think we need to be able to challenge a uh, pass interference still. You know, they they put it in briefly a couple of years ago and then took it out. And 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 so I think it's because they don't want to see that they're making mistakes. Right? And that's and that's becoming a problem because it's games like this that that cost when you think about these things and and I don't and to put it in perspective, calls like this not only cost uh, teams games, it costs people jobs. For sure. Because they end up losing games because of things like this. And and, and that so it, it's it's a it's a trickle down effect and, and, so, and they don't really understand that. And they're so busy fixated on being right and, and protecting their guys when you should be protecting the players. Cause that's who people came to see. They came to see the players, not the people in the striped shirts. Right. And so, I mean, it was, it was, it was a tough game and we, we had a, a lot of calls. There was a couple other calls that I thought, uh, like holding pass interference that I thought shouldn't have went uh, against us, but, but they did. And, and that's part of the game. But if we don't put ourselves in that position, go out there and score or, or stop the defense when we have those opportunities, then once again, it's a totally different game. And I think, you know, to your point, I mean, you mean all great points. I think, you know, your trickling effect is exactly right. I mean, that game, we ended up losing this game. And now you have questions about, you know, everybody, again, opinions that are all over, you know, things like Brown's Twitter. In the end, ultimately don't matter. There's just people voicing their own opinions. But now you have, I mean, analysts that I've seen, you know, back Baker Mayfield to the bone, you know, all the way, you know, from when he had struggles last year, you know, to even his struggles against Minnesota. All these analysts, you know, ones that I saw commenting on the game after Sunday's loss, they have been backing up Baker Mayfield his whole career are now questioning him. Again, I think questioning him after that game is a bit unfair. We'll get into it more a little bit later. Um, but again, the trickle effect is exactly right, and it just impacts so many different things. Now, what I haven't seen from the NFL yet, Eric, I don't know if you've seen anything yet. Um, I hate, I absolutely hate when they make a bad call like this in a big spot. And then and apologize. Sure, yeah, apologize. <laughs> I, I can't I feel like it makes matters 10 times worse. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'd rather them just, you know, not say anything rather than, oh, yeah, it was a botched call. I don't know about you, but I just think when they apologize, it makes things 10 times worse. But, you know, and that's why I don't I get it, but I don't get it when after the games where where coaches send in their complaints about specific plays, I'm, I'm, I get it. Because you want to be right. You want to know that this is right. But it doesn't affect anything. So it only makes you feel worse, in my opinion, right? For sure. Because you, you know like a call or a holding, something that changed, changed the game, the, the, the ebb and flow of the game. You know that this went against you. And, you, and all they're going to say is, we're sorry. They're not going <laughs> to give you some points. They're not going to give you the victory. So right. I'm like, why even complain about it? After the fact, if they're not going to do it right then, that's why I say go back to being able to challenge plays, especially these plays that are that are changing the outcomes. For sure, you should you should absolutely be able to challenge it. I love when, they, like you mentioned, I love when they had the rule in where you could challenge the defensive pass interference. Um, but even after the game, like you said, you all these guys were commenting on. It. You had Coach Stefanski say something. You had Miles Garrett say it was terrible. You had. Baker Mayfield say it was bad, and they, you know, all these guys are saying when they wish, you know, the calls would go both ways, and I absolutely agree. I mean, I think late in the game, uh, Rashard Higgins, you know, that was a questionable call when he didn't get anything, and even on the last play of the game, I looked at it more. Eric, I thought at first it would be pass interference. Um, I'm sure you've seen that video on Twitter when they threw the Hail Mary. I think that was more incidental contact um, than, than a pass interference. I'm sure you saw that clip at the end. 
Yeah, yeah, but I mean, when we're talking about Hail Marys, what are the chances of right. anyone calling pass interference, right? Because we know you're only throwing a Hail Mary because you're losing and you're in desperation. For so sure. the chance of them ending a game with a, a pass interference and someone are, are are not likely. And so I, I can see where they don't call that. But once again, if we, we go back to other plays where they were holding receivers and not calling it, things like that, you got to call that in, in the framework of the, of the game. And so it's, it's just so tough when guys go out there, lay it on the line, and then this call changes something, you know? It, it it just it just makes it tough because we're, we're like why are we out here if we can't even play the rules I mean because in that in that Mike Williams case it was just a football play and he was actually tugging on him and and right and and, and made it worse and so it, it's it's tough it's tough out there because you're not allowing guys to do their job but it also goes back to the fact that they they won a game where they're scoring more points, where people can get excited about, where people are talking about fantasy football and all that kind of stuff. And so for someone like myself, I'm saying this is where the softness of the game comes back in, right? And in years past, that would have never been called either way. Right. And 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 I get they would have never been called because they would have been saying they're playing football. This is how you play football. But because of the way the game's played now, they're they're making these calls. And once again, and, and, and refs, they see something, they see somebody fall down that, that looks funny, they call something. And and so and, and and a lot of times they don't see the actual penalty. They just see that someone fell funny. And that that, that creates a problem. For sure. You know, I mean I think and just in terms of the whole game, I think calls, like we already mentioned, it calls were both ways at, at most points. And, you know, some were in favor of the Browns. Obviously, the biggest one ended up being in favor of the Chargers. But, you know, moving on and talking about the game overall, no doubt it was one of the one of, if not the best games of the whole year in terms of the NFL schedule. I mean, 47 to 42, you know, just a crazy game. High scoring points, offenses, you know, firepower, firepower. We'll start with the defense. Um, obviously, Before you start with the defense question, because they scored 47-42, does that make it one of the best games? See, that's, see, so it all depends on how you look at it, right? Because if you think, oh, I want to see a whole bunch of scoring, yeah, that means someone didn't play defense, so okay. But if you're a defensive guy, you want to see somebody stop somebody, you didn't get that there. So I don't know. So I don't know if you consider that one of the best offensively and scoring-wise, I'll give you that. I think when I, you know, you make a good point. When I look at best games, I don't only look at high scoring. I look at, you know, that game had, I think, I don't even know, it was like six or seven lead changes. I mean, touchdown after touchdown, you know, crazy play after crazy play. And again, it wasn't to your point. It wasn't like it was, you know, amazing plays by amazing guys because, you know, the Chargers were gifted at least 14 points in that game with two blown coverages. So, Again, I just think, you know, the back and forth high scoring is probably the most exciting for me personally. But again, you're right. To your point, some people prefer defensive games, you know. So I, you're exactly right. It's probably more of a personal preference um, in terms of, you know, if you thought that game was great or not. Again, I just think the back and forth lead changes, you didn't know what was going to happen. You know, when their their kicker missed an extra point, you know, the whole game did a complete 360. And then the Browns got too conservative, which we'll get into a little bit later. But, um, you know, back to the defense. A lot of guys got hurt, and you hate to see it. Um, Greedy Williams, you know, he was hurt in the beginning, came back in, played absolutely fantastic. I saw um, Sam Penix um, tweeted, he is actually the second highest graded corner in the NFL 
through week five. And again, he hasn't played all five games, but again, in a small sample size, that this is very positive to see coming off that, you know, nerve injury in the shoulder where some people like myself were worried and hopeful, you know, they would get back on the field because uh, nerve damage is something that, you know, is, is really serious and you can't mess with. Um, again, I thought Miles Garrett was good. I mean, he had that sack. I think, again, he got held a lot more than they called for. Um, you know, I think missing Jadavian Clowney was, was very, you know, visible in that game. I think, you know, with what he's done all year so far and what, you know, the production that was around Miles Garrett without him, I think you could really tell that he was missed. I think Tack McKinley was, was very good, you know, filling in for that role. I just think, you know, having all three of those guys on the defensive line at the same time can be taken for granted. Um, the linebacking play, Anthony Walker. Um, I get your, your opinion on him, Eric. I don't know, you know, I'm just highlighting players here because I like going through the entire defense. I think Eric Walker so far, you know, he was on IR, but overall at first, you know, first glance for these first couple of games that he has played, he doesn't seem like he's a player that we signed. Well, you know, I, I think he's one of those guys that when you say that, he, he probably hasn't jumped off the board as far as the, the what he's done as far as, making plays however even when he left indian indianapolis the first thing all the players said was they were missing their their signal caller their leader, leader. yep and so so he's it's, it's almost like he hasn't played as well as we had hoped and, and maybe he'll get into his groove when he when he comes back and gets fully healthy and, and able to move around but it's almost like the same thing we would say about jarvis right jarvis jarvis is he makes plays but he hasn't made any plays that are like big plays. He hadn't made any big plays thus far, but everybody feels like we miss him. Right. And so I, I equate that to, to Anthony Walker and, and what he brings to this team is leadership. He's the signal caller on defense. He's getting everybody in the right place. And, and once again, we, we still have to remember this defense is no. just trying to jail together with all these different people playing in different positions. We had seven different starters day one, and then yep. we had injuries and we're still having to put different people in. And so, so, so it's making it tough for everybody to really figure out how everyone plays together. But I, I, I think they're doing well, and I, and I look forward to uh, to Anthony Walker playing well as the season moves forward. And I got a question for you, Eric. You mentioned Jarvis Landry. I, I'm a big fan of Jarvis. You mentioned leadership for both guys, um, respectively, Anthony Walker as well as Jarvis. Um, I think you know, in terms of defense, they, you know, Anthony Walker. You know, they said, you know, like you mentioned, when he left Indianapolis, they were missing his leadership, and so he's a vocal point. On defense, I think if you were to pick one guy on offense, I think it would be Jarvis Landry to just fill that role on offense. Um, so my question for you is, you know, after seeing what the Browns offense has been like, you know, three games without him, again, he, he produces it again. The Browns have scored, you know, a, a ton of points, you know, whether he's on the field or not. But how much of an impact do you think not having Jarvis has been? And especially how big of an impact do you think you know, not having a leader like that on the field affects your team in crazy games like on Sunday. Well, I, I, I think I think Jarvis being gone affects them a lot because, like you said, he is the voice of the offense. He's when everyone thinks of Jarvis, they know he makes plays on the football field, but they think about his voice and his his leadership to to keep everyone together. And I and I think I think they've missed that actually more than they they've missed him on the field. And, and 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 that's no disrespect to him. It's just to say that because we've had plays that we could have made, 
offensively in the last couple of games since he's been gone. They we just didn't make a lot of them, right? Um, and so, and, and then I look at and, and, and then play calling is a little different. I think I, I look at this game and I think we went all the way to maybe the third or fourth quarter before we threw a ball more than twenty yards, right? And so and so if you're not if you're not doing that, what what is the defense scared of? For sure. I mean, you, you, we still ran the ball well, but what are they scared of if we're if we're not even going to throw it past twenty yards? And then, and I think we threw one to Swartz like on a third and long, um, but I think that was in the fourth quarter. And then we obviously we threw a bunch at the, towards the end of the game, but that I'm, I don't think we I don't think we took enough shots. When you have someone like Odell, and granted they might be bracketing him, uh, doubling him for those who don't know what that is. Um, but but we still that still opens it up for all kind of other people. I mean, so so I go back to like say that the the first drive after uh, after the missed extra point it was forty two forty one. We run the ball, uh, get one yard. We throw an incomplete pass. It's third and nine, and we run the ball again. So, are we trying to win? Or at that point, are you trying to win or playing not to lose? For sure, because I, we're not trying I, to get I, the first down. When you, you look, I, I, and, I, and I thought about that as I watched that the whole time. I thought about watching the Rams and the Seahawks Thursday night. Seahawks make the game a one-score game, and the Rams go out there on offense like they're losing. They throw the ball down the field like almost every play, and I'm not saying we should have done that. We should play within the frame of our offense and 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 the play calling and all that. But I feel like we should make calls and plays that will get us the first down. I mean, third and nine, we're, we're, we're running a little trap or whatever that was. What are the chances of us getting that? I, I'm, I'm super glad you brought this up because this is something that, you know, again, out of all the hot topics that have been flying off the wall since that game, again, one of them happens to surround Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski in exactly what you just mentioned, and that's what it lies in. You mentioned, you know, what we did, you know, a run – a pass, and on third and nine, a run again. I noticed with Kevin Stefanski, and again, I love the guy, an outstanding coach, coach of the year last year. He's had some, you know, you know, questionable calls, you know, going for on fourth down a couple times this year where I wish he wouldn't have, um, you know, play calling. And again, when the Cleveland Browns got up 27 to 13 on Sunday, again, you mentioned it perfectly. It was almost like they were playing not to lose. You saw it last night a little bit with the Colts. They got up on the Ravens, play calling gets soft, and you give it to Lamar Jackson, and he takes off and has one of the best games of his career and the best game out of a quarterback I've seen in a long time. So when it comes to Kevin Stefanski, I think something that he can can improve on, you know, big time is when the Browns get up and get a lead to keep stepping on their throats and to keep scoring. Because, again, when you look at the Chargers, you know, you know they're going to put up points. Justin Herbert is, is a great quarterback. they got weapons all over the field, running backs, receivers, tight ends. So I just think Kevin Stefanski can be more aggressive with a lead. Now, to that point, again, herein lies another question. I was going to ask you the same question. I know you're about to ask me. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> what, what, what do you got? Is that, is that, he's, that he's saying something about the quarterback and I- not trusting him? I, I know you were going to ask me that. It's exactly <laughs> what I was going to ask. And my answer to that is I really do think that it is. I don't know 
if you have a different answer, I just, again, maybe, maybe it's a shoulder and they don't want him to get more banged up. You know, maybe that's the case, but I think there's something there that we don't know about. You know, and, 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 and my answer would be, it's, it, it's, I don't know if it is, we never know, but to me, it seems like he's just saying, we're not putting this in your hands to go do this because we've done it before in this situation. We've done it before. We just run that. And, and granted, we can run the ball on anybody, but that's the time when that's not a running situation. Third and nine. No. Back, backed up only up by a point. Cause if we don't get it, we're punting. They have great field position as it proved to be the other day. But I, I, I really think it, it's gotta be something to it that he just does. He's, he, and, and of course he won't ever say that, but it's gotta be something to it that he's not trusting the ball in his hands to make that throw. And it's crazy because again, I, I, I even said it, you know, I, I absolutely agree. And I, I thought the same thing, you know, he, he made some interesting, you know, statements, you know, in his post game press conference. Again, a lot of people don't look into, I just like trying to look into every little thing I can, but again, you know, it wasn't just, you know, the third and nine, it's just, you know, in the whole like last quarter and when the Browns need to drive down the field and try to put it in Baker's hands, they just, they didn't do it. And again, again, you, you're right. They're never going to say what it is. Stefanski would never just come out and say, oh yeah, I don't trust six. I don't trust Mayfield. He would never say that. But again, there's got to be something there. But the problem is if it is that they don't trust Mayfield, it's like, it almost seems like, you know, they're stuck. Again, Mayfield led us on a game-winning drive against Cincinnati last year, which was great. But again, in these big... Uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yeah. In these big... That's Cincinnati. In, <laughs> I said that's Cincinnati. That's Cincinnati. <laughs> you're right. Exactly. That, that, you, you, I was just getting to that point. Again, that is Cincinnati. It's the Bengals. When you look into the game against the Chiefs, granted, he got tripped up, but it was an interception. You know, it just seems like... Baker Mayfield, when the ball is in his hands and we need him to step up and do something big, he just, he's almost like he, I hate to say it because I, I love Baker, you know, he's the best quarterback we've had in forever, but it just seems like he can't do it. You know, I, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I say he can't do it, I just. He hasn't shown us yet. That's what I was about to say. We haven't seen it done against a, a very good team yet. Right. And, and, and say the Ravens game last year, if he had time, he might have done it because he right. did it before mm-hmm. Lamar came back. Right. For sure. but, but 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 once again, I was sitting in that stadium uh, <laughs> Sunday. And as soon as we ran the ball on third and nine, I turned to my buddy next to me and I said, he doesn't trust the quarterback. Oh, man, <laughs> it sucks. I literally <laughs> was saying the same exact stuff and everybody. You know, I was watching it. You know, my family was here, and, you know, my dad's been a lifelong Browns for a while. You know, we've had season tickets together for a while. And I, I, it's funny, like you mentioned, you looked to him and said that. I said the same thing, and he told me I was, I was crazy. I'm just like, everything that is on display is just showing that he doesn't trust six. And like you said, it, it just doesn't seem like he trusts him. Right. I mean, because at that, at that point, if you're playing to win, you're trying to get that first down because you know you have to get first downs to kill the clock, right? You know, in order for you to keep them from scoring, you have to sustain the ball, sustain a drive. And if you run third and nine, when they know you're going to do it, or they feel like you do, you haven't even thrown the ball deep, but one time maybe, that then that, that seems to be a problem for me. And so, I mean, like you said, he, he's the best we've had in a, in a long time. He's the best we have. But if, if we're not 
putting the ball in his hands to go winning the game. How, how are we expecting to win games like these? This, this is ba- that was basically a playoff game, the way it was played, right? One of the best Absolutely. teams, two of the best teams in the league. Um, put it in his hands, go win it. Everybody else does it. Big time quarterbacks. Big time quarterbacks all around the league do it. I mean, I'm sure you watched that Monday night football game last night. That was one of the most, you know, granted, you know, again, I think the Ravens are a very lucky team with all these missed kicks and this and that. But Lamar Jackson, I mean, four hundred and I think it was four hundred and forty two yards, four touchdowns, his completion percentage is like eighty six percent. It is just it is crazy play. And for everybody who says Lamar Jackson, you know, can't throw the ball, well, there you go. I mean, Lamar Jackson is an MVP level quarterback. I mean, he Go ahead. And that's what I was about to say. Everyone says Lamar Jackson cannot throw the ball. <laughs> but when the game was on the line, they threw that ball almost every play. And he, he didn't fail. Not once. Again, an 86, 86 per completion percentage in in the whole game. I was talking about my buddy at dinner. I think they were showing his fourth quarter stats or second half stats. It was like a 90% completion percentage when it matters. That is right proven everybody wrong right because they threw they they said forget that record we don't care about that rushing <laughs> record anymore we're trying to win this game <laughs> and they threw the ball almost every play they ran it a little some little dinks here and there you know for a couple yards and got some first downs and all that but but for the most part they put it in the hands of their mvp quarterback to go win the game and, and i don't feel like that's what we're doing and, and, and we're not. You're exactly right. And I think, you know, that is why so many people, again, I feel like every week, Eric, it is more and more people that are coming out of the woodwork, you know, questioning Baker Mayfield. Again, I've never seen, you know, publicly yet this season, analysts who have backed him come out and, you know, question him like they did. One thing that I noticed that was really interesting, um, Dan Orlovsky and Keyshawn Johnson were talking about this on, on ESPN. Um, they had Dan Orlovsky, you know, host of the show, had Keyshawn Johnson on the phone, and he actually called in and said, again, who knows, you know, I'm sure, you know, everything that he's saying, you know, it's probably mostly truth. Again, nobody knows exactly, but he was on the phone saying that he was talking to within somebody in the Browns organization, and they were saying that since the narrative was that Baker Mayfield tries to push the ball to OBJ too much, you know, that's the narrative that... Baker Mayfield wanted to completely get rid of that by not targeting OBJ. And so, I, um, you know, once I saw that, I took a step back. I thought about it for a second. I realized, okay, Odell, you know, was kind of quiet in that game. I look back at how many times. Quiet. He had three, he had three targets. I guess what, exactly what I was about to get into. I looked That's back. mute. <laughs> I, you, I looked back. I looked at how many targets he had, and I saw three. And then I looked at the score. We scored 42 points, and Odell Beckham Jr. is only targeted three times. And so, again, then you go back to thinking about Baker Mayfield, and you think, you know, again, what Keyshawn Johnson said, it has to be true. And if it is, I just think that is completely, you know, just, just backwards. Again, Odell had that really bad drop on, on you know, fourth and fourth two. Fourth down. He had yeah. to catch it, but I feel like. When Odell does something bad, I feel like, again, it is very disappointing, but I feel like Odell haters climb out of everywhere and gang up on him. And again, all this is just public opinion. It really doesn't matter. But targeting him three times and after seeing, you know, after seeing that he was only targeted three times while reading and listening to what Keyshawn Johnson was saying, it really makes you scratch your head and wonder, 
Because that situation, Eric, between OBJ and Mayfield is one of the most strangest relationships and just situations that I think I've ever seen. Right, and and, and like you said, he had a, a bad drop on, on fourth and two. Well, it, I think it was 13-10. We were down 13-10 at the time. And so we didn't get the first down and, and could have scored. But at that point, that was still his first target. And 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 you can tell when he dropped that ball, he was trying to catch it and run and go score a touchdown because he yeah. doesn't you can tell he feels like he doesn't know when he's gonna get the ball ever. Mm-hmm. His 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 targets are few and far between. And so he, he is like he's out there just running around. Just and he and he goes in, he comes out, he runs around a little bit, he doesn't get the ball. And he had the, the one catch on the sideline was a great catch. Yeah. On the, on the, it's a, it's, a, it's a great catch. And so if he just gets these opportunities, I don't understand. I mean, Keyshawn might have something. I don't, I'm not sure, but I think if he does have something, if that is the case, that's, that's stupid to me. You have, one of the, you have one of the best receivers in the league out there, and, and you don't target him. And then, and then most receivers will be going crazy, throwing their helmets, all that kind of stuff. And he's, he's been cool about it. He's been cool about it, we know, and you know he's frustrated because he's been open. He's had chances where he should get a, get the ball, and and even even the ball uh, that uh, Shad Higgins caught and run ran up the sideline. Odell was open on a corner route, but he just waited. Baker just waited and didn't throw it to him. And so I don't I don't think with any with a lot of the plays and a lot of the receivers, I don't think when it's deep balls or, or, or balls over a certain distance, that the timing is there for anyone, right? And that and that's and that's a problem. And, and so it goes back to, to practicing and, and guys being around each other, but it's, it's got to be something has got to be fixed in, in order for us to, to go far. And it's because we have to be on all firing on all cylinders because no one's just going to lay down because of the names you have on the roster. You right. still got to go out there and make plays. Absolutely. And, you know, I see – Every single week, all these quarterbacks, and you mentioned, you know, obviously targets aren't there. Everything seems off. I just, you have Odell Beckham Jr., again, one of the most electric and dynamic wide receivers in the game. I don't know why they don't just, you know, make sure, you know, you have all these weapons at tight end. David Njoku had a monster game. You have Hooper. You have Harrison Bryant, who I think is still halfway decent. Then you have all these weapons at the receiver position alongside of Odell. So, I just wish, I mean, you see these quarterbacks and the receiver duos. I mean, Aaron Rodgers probably throws it up to Devontae Adams and just hope for the best five times a game. That might be an exaggeration, but right. my, point, my point is, why don't you do that with Odell? I mean, get him in one-on-one coverage, get a play action, and just throw it up. He's a playmaker. He's proven that he, you know, can go up and make these one-on-one and sometimes even one-on-two or three catches. So I feel like they're just, at this point, misusing Odell and I really do again I I just feel bad for the guy you know as you mentioned you know you don't see him coming to Cleveland again he did a little bit his first year but you really don't see the guy in the narrative following him into Cleveland that everybody said would be coming here every time even in that game in Minnesota when he was open and he was open could have three touchdowns you know over 100 yards blah 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 he wasn't you know, he wasn't a sorry player. He wasn't a cancer. He wasn't none of this. He was just flat out frustrated. But again, even in the postgame press conferences and throughout the week after the game, he was professional. He said he talked about it with Mayfield, played Call of Duty with him, blah, blah, blah. So again, I honestly just personally feel bad for the guy because 
he's a player that I feel like, you know, coming to Cleveland was the Browns were supposed to be this great team. And again, they are, they're a good team. It's just, they got to figure this out because I really do think, you know, in terms of the whole Baker, Odell, Odell Baker situation, I think the clock is ticking and I don't think there's much time left on that clock. Right. And, you know, and it's, and it's very unfortunate because like you said, you have one of the superstar wideouts in this league and, and right now we're making him look regular. He looks like a regular dude. He looks like he's a number three or four receiver on a team right now because we don't take him. You look at all the guys who anyone would consider a top five receiver in this league today and look at how many targets they get a game. At they least get, five. They get doubled, and it still doesn't matter. These guys are getting targeted. They're, they're throwing the ball to them. And, and granted, we have a lot of players who can make plays. But but we should give everyone a chance who can really make plays, make a play. And one more thing on OBJ before we close out and touch on the, the Cardinals game a bit. Um, I, I'm sure you've noticed this as well. My problem with the narrative on OBJ and all that stuff is he does stuff and produces that aren't on the statue. For example, that touchdown to Rashard Higgins in, in the beginning of the game. He was wide open because... Odell had about two or three receivers on him. Jake Trotter always tweets out the play where he has the numbers as the icons for the players, and he shows you know where the DBs go, where everybody goes. And on that play, he highlighted and said the Odell effect when he's not getting the ball in his hands. He ran a post-corner route to the corner in the end zone. The safety followed him, and he had a corner on him too, and the safety forgot about Higgins in the flat, which led him to be wide open. So again, Eric, I think he does so much more than just catch passes. Because when you come to play on Sunday and you know you have to play against OBJ, he's going to get attention no matter what. And so keeping getting him these targets, if they're going to get him more targets, it's only going to help him be, to be able to continue to do stuff like draw attention to be able to get other guys open to score easy touchdowns like the one Higgins did on Sunday. But now it's, it's, it's getting to the point where why are we doubling this guy? They're not right. going to throw the ball. Exactly. That's, that's, and that's, I think that's how teams are going to start approaching when we're going to we're going to take our chance because they're not even throwing him the ball right now. Because, like I said, like he's like you said, the Odell effect on Rashad Higgins touchdown. It was the same exact play just about that uh, Rashad Higgins caught the ball and ran up the sideline and Odell was wide open this time. Didn't yep. throw it. Got to be you got to be on time. Everything has to be on time. But that goes to that goes to what are we seeing out there? You know? What are we seeing? What? How are we reacting to what we're seeing and everything? And, and it's and, it, and it's tough. And so, I don't I don't know. I think I think you know he's a, he's, a, he's getting Odell. I mean, is getting frustrated, and and it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. I mean, it's, for, it's only you can only keep your poise for so long. Especially, it's it's easier to be a professional and not complain if you win games. Right. When you lose games. It makes it real hard, especially if you have a player of his caliber who knows he could have helped the team win. And I, exactly to your point, I feel like, you know, if, if this trend continues and something doesn't change, I feel like he is going to, you know, explode again. I'm not blaming him for this. I'm not saying that he's going to explode in the wrong way. Because if you're Odell, if I'm Odell, you have every damn right to be frustrated on what's going on so far this year. Um you know, before we close, we'll touch on the Cardinals game a little bit. I think, you know, this is a huge game. I'm not going to look ahead at any other games because Eric gets on me every single week for it. So I'm only going to focus <laughs> on this Cardinals game. But we got the 5-0 and Cardinals coming into town. 
Um, I believe they just announced today that I think it was um, Chandler Jones. Um, yep, on the COVID nineteen list. You never want to see anybody go on the COVID nineteen list. So wish right. him all the best. But again, you know that does you know help the Browns. Chandler Jones is one of the best pass rushers on the Cardinals, and you know one of the top ones in the league. Um, especially opposing you know JJ Watt, who they recently signed this offseason. So you know that, that that does help the Browns. But again, you got Kyler Murray coming in, who I think has played at an MVP level so far. You know DeAndre Hopkins. They signed AJ Green. They got weapons. You know, on defense, they have the same thing. You know, all these stud athletes. So, um, Eric, we'll t- we'll start with you. Um, what do you think? What are you looking forward to? You know, any key matchups or any key points going into this game on Sunday? And do you have a prediction yet? Well, you know, they're like you said, they're coming in and uh, only undefeated team in the league, and and I think it's what what makes it hard uh, is that offense, and and they're they're getting they're starting to get it rolling. Like you said, they have Kyler. They have DeAndre Hopkins, AJ AJ Green. They have uh, Christian Kirk. James Connors playing well, and so and and the and the, and the X factor obviously is is Kyler Murray because it's hard to get him back there. If you don't get it's, it's, if you don't get him in the straight rush in the beginning when he starts running around, it's it's hard for anyone to corral him. So that I think that's going to make it a little tough on our defense. Hopefully we. Uh, we can get everybody back or, or get some people back uh, in the in the defensive backfield that uh that makes it a little tougher on these receivers that are are great receivers already right so we we got to try to make it as tough as we can on them and, and and pressure them because if they can sit up sit back there and run around and and, and Kyler has all the time in the in the world it, it's going to be tough on our defense we saw that with with Justin Herbert and he's not even considered a mobile quarterback and he still he still got a stress for a couple first downs in in the run game, and 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 threw it all over the place. And so we can't we can't let them get rolling. It's it's one of those things where you have to stop that thing quickly. I've seen it I mean, from Cliff Kingsbury when he was at Texas Tech. If you stop that thing quickly, it's it's it makes it a smoother game. And I think one of the ways you stop that game is run the football. <laughs> and we have to run the football. I mean, granted, we ran it we ran it well the other day. But we have to run the ball because that that controls the game. You know, that controls the clock a little bit. It, it puts them, if we're running the ball and scoring touchdowns, it puts them in pressure mode because they're always thinking score, 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 score. And when you do that for a passing team, that's when mistakes are made because they're, they're trying to always play keep up. And so I think we have to, we have to do that as well as I, th- I feel like we can play defensively. We can play them kind of like we did Kansas City the first game. We, we we didn't give up uh, – we gave up the one big play to Tyreek where he just threw it up there and he came back to the ball and scored. But for the most part, especially in the first half, we just let them dink and dunk and catch it under. And in and, 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 and doing that, they burnt a lot of clock themselves doing They were having six- and seven-minute drives. And so that was limiting their, their – their possessions. So they're, they're offense that, that you can't let them have a lot of possessions and do whatever they want. And so we can, we can limit that obviously defensively like we did Kansas city, but we can limit that on our, on offense by, by running the ball and controlling it there as well. And so with all that said, I still think we win this game. I think we win this game. I, I, I think we win this game because uh, I think we have the ability to, to corral Kyler, I think I think we'll make enough plays uh, on on defense. We'll, 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 we'll slow them down, and our offense will, will win this game. 
And to your point on, you know, running the ball and making the defense, you know, there are a pass-heavy team, like you mentioned, and they're a pass-first team. But did you see the time of possession final stats from this last Chargers game? I did not. The Browns had, I believe it was 13 or 14 minutes more time possession than the Chargers, almost a whole quarter. And but, but they had a bunch of big plays. Exactly, exactly. And they had a bunch of big plays, and exactly what I was getting into. So, again, this all wraps back around your point to the Browns. You know, running the ball is key, controlling the ball is key, because the stat I just brought up does not happen week, week in and week out. If you control the clock like the Browns did on Sunday – and you don't have two blown coverages, you're going to win that game nine times out of ten. This Sunday just happened to be the one that they lost. So again, if the Cleveland Browns can do everything that you just said on Sunday and eliminate these two big blown coverages on defense and maybe get a takeaway because how you mentioned, you know, pass heavy, you got to play, you know, pay, you don't have time possession, isn't going your way, you know, making a turnover. So maybe substitute a blown coverage or two for a turnover or two, then the game completely does a 360 and flips, and you're in great position to win the game. Um, so for a final prediction for me, you mentioned you think the Browns win this game. As much as I want to say that they are going to win this game, from week one I've had this one as a loss on my schedule. Um, I think, you know, again, they're obviously capable of winning. They've proven that they can hang with absolutely anybody in the league. Um, but again, I've had this one as a loss since week one. So, you know, getting to three and three – and having to play, you know, the Broncos, Steelers, you know, there's there's a, again, I'm not going to get in too far in the schedule because I can't do that. But, again, I have this one as a loss. We'll be at 3-3. Three and three, But, again, you know, if they control that clock, Baker Mayfield, you know, does his thing. The defense, hopefully a lot of these guys can get back. You know, it's going to be a game. And a game one, again, where the Browns are absolutely 100% capable of winning. So, Eric, um, safe travels to Cleveland this weekend. Um I, I I know we talked about it in our first episode. You've never been to the Muni lot. You think you're going to go because I know with the game being at four, you have a shot to be there. You right. think you're going to stop by? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know this this is this is weird because this is this will be two games in a row where I actually play for both teams. Yeah, you're right. That's two crazy. games in a row. You know, and 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 the and the and, the, and it's weird. And the Cardinals, the Cardinals. Uh, Obviously, my dad played for him when they were in St. Louis, but that was actually my first ever game in the NFL because I played in the last preseason game against them. Wow! That, that, I first got to Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> it's gotta be it's gotta be weird, you know. See your team that you know you had you know great amount of success in your career playing for go again like you mentioned back to back two weeks play two teams that you know you're very familiar with as well. It's got it's gotta be weird. It, it, it's weird, but I'm you know of course. I, I want to be a Brown and, and no one else, so it doesn't – no other team, so it doesn't really matter. So I, I'm I'm going to pick the Brown. I, I have to right now, especially <laughs> because, because I said we were going to go 13-4. and four and, Do you and, still stand by that 13-4? and four? I, I, I think we turn around. I think – I didn't call I, – I didn't pick a loss yet. I mean, I did – I'm sorry. First week one, I called that. Um, but I thought we would we would end up being like 5-1. and one. And so now we're now now in order for me to be right, a lot of good things have to happen. And so, I, but I, I still I, I honestly feel like we can we're gonna win this game. It's gonna be a good game. You know, I hope to see a lot of you guys there at First Energy on Sunday. But that is gonna wrap up this episode of the Dog Check Podcast. Again, guys, don't forget to head over to Bet Online. You know, use 
you know, all our promo codes get 50% off. Your number one destination for sports betting. It has been Eric and I, and we will catch you guys next week. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.